This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. He's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untapped holding on. What a win. Untapped from the Rarison Sandow Cup. But Gold Trip is brave. A hundred to go. A length and a half emissary. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the code. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Cracking the Codes until 11 o'clock. And then Matt Stewart and myself will be through until midday today on an RSN. Simone Fish and Matt Stewart are in the studio. I'm Dan Malicki for another episode of Cracking the Codes. Another big day in a Dominion continues at Geelong tonight, round number three. Been some great greyhound racing and a great race day ahead of us with the Packenham Cup, the feature, but also a huge race in the Perth in Perth with their uh, carnival as well. It's been a most enjoyable week and. Hey, I think a bit of summer's about, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Matt. Good good morning. It feels like a match race in Perth, doesn't it? Uh, Amelia's Jewel and Cascadian, the... Who James Cummings described to me earlier this week as the baldy-faced assassin. Is he the most popular horse in Australia, Cascadian? He is to me. To me, if you said who's the most, who's your favourite horse, uh, I would say Cascadian. I'd say Nature Strip. Okay. I think Nature Strip's the most popular. Who else is there? I I was thinking Nature Strip too. See, I'd say Nature Strip was the best. Is he popular because he is the best and yeah, people hear oh, about the, him? Yeah, it's the never-ending question, isn't mm. it? You know, like it's all Dan, subjective. Dan's popular and he's the best, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. <laughs> so it does feel like a match race, and we did have the great match race in the Greyhounds, and I'm probably going to reflect a little bit this morning about uh, we've done it before, but um, the history of match racing is fascinating because we wanted to do Lock and Var out ride high, and it yep. fell over. I think for good reason. I'm actually a, in Greyhounds fine. I'm a little bit against them because of what happened to Ruffian in the 1970s in America. Well, they banned them in America after that particular match yeah. race because that had a long history of match race. It goes back to Man of War in the 1920s, 1930s. Totally. Bing Crosby had War a lot Admiral to do with it, and Seabiscuit was, yeah. was a famous one. America had about 10 of them, and we had we had the silly one with Better Loosen Up and uh, Let's Elope because uh, they both missed out on a bit of work, and they needed a gallop, and yeah. they put together the Tab Challenge match race at, at Caulfield. Caulfield on the Wednesday. Yeah, but... Um I'll bore listeners a bit with Ruffy and a little bit later about what happened there and how it turned Americans away from match racing. But um, today does feel like a match race, and and the Wow She's Fast match race was was just brilliant. It works brilliantly in greyhound racing. I think it works brilliantly. It does, and I think one of the reasons why, and probably why you are thinking that it's not good for horses, is because you haven't got an outside influence with the greyhounds, have you? It's just the dogs going head-to-head. It is what they just do, whereas with you've got horses and you've got the influence of the driver or the jockey, and they're just going to, you know, try and get that little bit more out of that horse at the end, which is what a match race is about, and and perhaps, you know, it can go wrong, and it's not a good look. Well, it can go one of two ways. It can either be a hack along and then a sprint home, which that tab but, challenge was, or it can be too brutal. Well, and, I and think it's the build-up, though. Satinova was never the same and, after and the pure still, Yeah, sure. Yeah. That was, but the people were there. They were drawn to it to see two superstars, two gladiators get in the ring, and that's the build-up uh, is something that you cannot replicate. It's what, in any of the three codes, we need regardless, because often the, 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 the race is the letdown. That's yeah, the letdown. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. build-up, which is the biggest it's, thing. It's Ali Frazier, and then if one yep. gets knocked out after 30 seconds in the first, it doesn't matter because the build-up is what carried the event. That's so. right. makes you excited. Mm. And however it pans mm. out, it could just turn out to be a fizzer, but that mm. build-up is the exciting part, and they're the things that we need more of. No, I agree. Um, it just what happened with Ruffian was uh, she was the uh, – and the reason we're talking about this is because today's northerly – Classic in Perth does look like a match race, even though it isn't. And we just had the uh, the great match race in the Greyhound, which but... we'll hear it shortly too. Mm. The Welsh is fast, so there's a dot. And I'll <laughs> when we're on our earlier time slot, I've mentioned this, but now that we're on our later time slot, for those who are listening who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about with this horse Ruffian, so there's a documentary on YouTube. If you just go to YouTube and type in Ruffian documentary horse, there's one that goes for 23 minutes. And there was this incredible match race in the mid-1970s. I think it was about yeah. 1975 that had come together. The great cult, foolish pleasure who'd won two legs of the Triple Crown and the unbeaten, beautiful, big black filly Ruffian at Belmont Park. And it was in the middle of women's lib. So it was boy versus girl. There was a Battle huge of the sexes, Battle of the sexes. Yeah. And, 
And uh, it didn't end well at all for Ruffian, and, and it was such a tragedy that America never ran a match race. No, again. they banned at match racing. Yeah. In fact, the next match race they had was actually a jockey versus jockey. It was uh, a female jockey versus uh, male jockey. It was the outstanding female jockey. Um, was it Julie Crone? Julie Crone, I think it was. Yeah, and that would have been nineteen ninety-ish. Mm. So, and that was only for the jockeys. It had nothing to do with the quality of horses. So the best one is like uh, Greyhound versus motorbike, or Greyhound <laughs> versus plane on tarmac. Taking off, they're, 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 they're they're the great ones. They've had um, greyhounds versus runners as well. They've calibrated it so that the runners start at a particular point that they should both go over the line together. I mean, we probably it would be great to see. Well, it's about a two for one, isn't again. it? Like a greyhound would go twice as fast as um, Ben Johnson, for instance. Bad example. Uh, I'm, I'm Bad example. Sure. So what does Ben Johnson run? Well, he got well, done for Roy. No, depends, no, he, depends which go year. For, let's go for, to Carl Wasn't Lewis. Wasn't he like nine, nine seconds over 100 metres? Something like that. So is that how the, human, the human the runs human. at about nine points something, correct? Say like? 10 seconds over 100 metres. A greyhound right? would run 100 metres in four seconds, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm not, you know, well, I'm if not they can do 500 metres in 30 seconds, divided by five, well, then again, uh, uh, they go really quick. Uh, Amelia's Jewel is a racehorse who so goes a little bit slower than a champion greyhound, and Amelia's Jewel was clocked at 71 so kilometres six. an hour in track. Well, work, horses so. can, uh, greyhounds can do 60 to 70 kilometres an hour, so mm, it's fast. I did that when I fled the building during the earthquake <laughs> here a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, we remember that. Yeah, yeah, we heard I that. You knocked old ladies and children down yep. to get out of the building <laughs> yep, first, yep, didn't yep. you? Well, I had to clear a path for them, a la George Costanza. <laughs> Did you have to clear a path uh, at Warrnambool last Sunday? I loved your article in the Winning Post. You cracked me up most of the times, just me looking at you, but I love the story, and there's a few <laughs> a aspects within your Winning Post story that I wanted to have a chat to you about. But firstly, about the day, how it unfolded. Was it to, to the satisfaction of what you were yep. expecting? It's just magic where the event is bigger than the race. So it doesn't. You could run dromedaries backwards and that wouldn't make any difference it's more about the event and the, what it signifies and um you know the eeriness of the the last post and the minute silence and honestly you know a, a racetrack it's hard to control noise and babies and infants and teenagers and so on but as soon as the last post, adults even adults could have heard a pin drop even babies knew they just stopped crying Baby stopped crying. Maybe there was none on the track. Well, maybe they didn't have anything to cry about. I don't know. But um, you honestly could have heard a pin drop. And uh, it was just gorgeous. And there was the recreation of the charge of Beersheba, where in true war style, one of the one of the riders fell off and then had to walk back meekly as the crowd. And then she bowed to the crowd. So the half an hour before the race is what it's all about. And it's sitting on the hill and... As Ollie and I did, tried to spot people wearing wigs, and then what's that, that all about? No, we've, it's a f- tradition. I like it. I was entertained by the Pl- plumbers the crack. You know, when people bend, yeah. you know, too much of that exposure right. is one of the things we look out for. Uh-huh. And rugs and plugs. <laughs> what are plugs? You know, when you get the fake bit they put Shown in, in. So it's actually a Martin type deal. Oh my goodness! I thought two guys sitting on a hill. Would have been looking out for things other than ah, good point. Things on no, heads. No, we we you know Ollie and I are different. You know, you've met Ollie; he's very different. So uh, we were. <laughs> he's we were, the same about you. Here we were, father and son, sitting on a hill and looking everyone, out for toupees. Everyone who went. Well, it's such a thing, Dan. As you know, you could probably do with one. Is there many? Is there many around though, or is it? Are they are so every, well no, disguised? No, racetracks are an epicenter for rugs. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll never ever look at people the same again. Now I'll be looking out for the. There weren't any down if there. If you're though. tall, the oh. no, Western Districts, they just. If don't. you're above six foot tall, you probably get away with it because people often have to look up to you. But if you're about five foot seven and want to wear a wig, it, it's hard to look away. <laughs> I've had some embarrassing moments. There's one that I can't repeat because the rug wearer is still with us, and it's an embarrassing story. But it involves me not knowing he had a rug, but. I was in a hotel room and there was a contestant on Sale of the Century and I hadn't been introduced to this guy yet by the third person in the room. In racing? This and time? I was just sort of killing time before the other guy got off the phone and I spotted a contestant on Sale of the Century on the TV who had a rug on and I teed off and then I didn't realise that the third person in the room had an even worse one on. <laughs> <laughs> Until I sat behind him in the car and I saw that detachment. Oh, really? The yeah, detachment. The signature detachment. So for anyone wondering what they're listening to this morning, this is Cracking the Codes. It is a, a racing show, but we do go off the track from time to time, as you've just been hearing now. But I was 
really enjoying listening to the bits of the Jericho Cup that you were talking about throughout the week, Matt, too, and um, probably a good thing I wasn't there because I could just imagine I just get so emotional with things like that, just with the horses and um, animals in war and all that. And I remember seeing War Horse one day and it has scarred me. I will never, ever watch that movie again. And so this whole thing about the horses, the Australian whalers going over, and I think it's a beautiful thing to... Uh, what, not, you celebrate, know, not celebrate, but to commemorate. commemorate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's lovely. And I remember years ago I met Bill, who came up with the concept. Bill Gibbons. Here, Bill Gibbons, the legend. The, yeah, yeah, in the studio here, and mm. thought what a wonderful thing to have thought about and got it going. And just really, yeah, your reflection on the week and what was it. I think it's something that do you need it to be as big as a May Carnival, or is it a little bit more special being I've, not. So there's a happy enormous. medium. I think yeah. it, it, it should and could get bigger. It needs to get bigger. It needs to be kind of promoted by Tourism Victoria. The the RSL and all those sorts of things need to buy into it. And not is it growing? No, is it going in that direction? I want to reflect on it in three years to see where it's going. Uh, in that in that sense, but but just on that theme of um, events in each sport with a con- complete point of difference, like the King Island thing we've been talking about, and uh, also Warnable, and every code has its kind of bucket list point of difference thing and the, the coursing down at Lang Lang for me Simone even though we haven't gone yet and Dan there's there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful harness meeting which goes through the roof in New Zealand with the backdrop of the ocean. Oh, Kaikoura. Kaikoura. Is that, the, is that the point of difference meeting in harness racing, Kaikoura? Well there's one in, uh, is it St Mary's? They have one in Tassie as well, not dissimilar up on the beach line. There's a few places around Australia. You look at the backdrop, there's one place in WA um, as well, that's just just fabulous. Is it Carnarvon? No, I'm trying uh, to think where Mike, it is. Uh, no, Broom. Is it Broom? Well. Yeah. Well, Mikey, what's our text? One one eight one oh four one nine ninety sixty sixty fifty two. Is that it? That's a lot one zero four one six ninety fifty fifty. So, if anyone's got one that we don't know about, Adelaide River's one that I wanted to go to yeah. as well because there's definitely there's well, New Zealand have got so many of them, uh, mm. so many wonderful places. But Kaikoura stands out. When it looks pretty on the TV, it makes you want to go. There's and you're a, big on that, aren't you? You're oh. big about aesthetics, racing, track. Melton are trying to improve that uh, as well, so they've yep. listened to you there. Well, I drove past the other day. It's actually looking very it's, very beautiful. Yeah, grand yeah. final, the end of Dominion there. Next Saturday night too, so round three tonight is at Geelong, which has been terrific. Yeah. Just on that just on that theme, Michelle Payne once rode in a race on the ice at St. Moritz in Switzerland. Oh, wow. Um, Dunedin ran in ice races, the Melbourne Cup winner. In, we've got a filly in Tassie called Siena Wolf, named after Siena in Italy, where they run a horse race around the cobbled town square. So these things do... There's a, beach races that yeah. exist in places. Well, I well. think even in Ireland they have the trot races, don't they, that go around through the streets. Malta certainly did on the cobblestones as well. Mm. Um, we got a message from Jim from Rose City talking about a match race uh, between Half Your Luck and New Mariner, two greyhounds years and years ago. I remember Half Your Luck. I must have been a, a pretty young at the time. but I have a, a very feeling he was name. inducted into the Hall of Fame yep. a few years ago. I might have even done that. You I might have, have done to, that. Yeah, I may have, yeah. Mm. So anyway, we'll... we'll We'll get to a match race. In fact, we might get to it now. We talked about match races, and it might be a theme we go on with in future episodes of Cracking the Codes. But I think we all agree. I talked about Cascadian being my favourite horse. I think we all all agree. Our favourite greyhound is Well, She's Fast. Racing. Well, she's fast, jumped really well. Well, she's fast, and Amron Boy to the post the first time. They get into the turn, and well, she's fast leads. Well, she's fast in front of Amron Boy, who's still got the rail, but goes back a length and a half. They went 5-12 to the first marker. Well, she's fast, two in front. Amron Boy's got to find. He now starts to lift. They turn. Well, she's fast. Amron Boy's coming. She's coming. But Shani. Well, she's fast wins. Beats home, Amron boy. Daniel Hibbert there with a the call. Wow, she's fast. What a superstar. We love her, don't she? What she's done for Greyhound Racing, um, I don't think we can really uh, put in words how important she's been for that industry. And, you know, on the same night, her brother, he's no slouch, also won Melbourne Cup night. So it was um, terrific there. And he lives a little bit in her shadow, but he's no slouch, very aptly named. We got a, a message too. Bernie's one of the tracks in Tassie that's got the beautiful backdrop as well, which is on the beach. Guests today, John Sadler's going to join us to talk about uh, relocating to Pakenham. He's tr- 
trained at a few different places. But anyway, we'll have a chat to him yeah. shortly. And Brittany Graham's going to join us from Sky Racing. Uh, and while she's the face and voice of Sky Racing and Harness Racing, she's driving tonight and she shares her two passions, which she can uh, do both tonight at, at Geelong. So she's trying to get a horse into the Inter-Dominion Trotting Grand Final. But now it's time for our first guest on the back of a wonderful Dream Chasers Carnival and with some big things to come in the next week or two, uh, Simone. The, the racing's been superb. It, it sure has. And uh, GRV CEO Stuart Lang joins us this morning on Cracking the Codes. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Simone. How are you? Oh, great. Gee, you must be on a high at the moment. You've come into this role as CEO, taken over in a time where Greyhound Racing is just thriving. Um, it's getting presented to the public in a way that it never has before. It's engaging new people. And we've still got the Phoenix. We've got the Silver Chief Heats tonight to look forward to. The Laurels next week, but the Phoenix in a couple of weeks. So you must really be excited about the next chapter beyond the Dream Chasers Carnival. Stuart. Yeah, look, it, it's been fabulous, Simone, and uh, I think last Saturday night was probably nearly the best night of racing I can recall since I've been involved in three of the best races you could ever see, and that uh, showdown replay it just played then sort of sends tingles up the spine again. Uh, wow, she's fast, and Amron Boy going head-to-head. Um, who could have believed that you know, well, she's fast would be a $2.50 or $2.60 outsider in a race like that. So, um, you know, it's been fantastic. The, the four nights of the Dream Chasers Festival so far have all done uh, wonderful things for us. Um, broadcasting differently on racing.com has been an outstanding success so far. And as you say, we're really trying to introduce new people uh, and get new fans of the sport as well as get attendance growing on course. So, so far, it's been great. Looking forward to the Phoenix as well. Stuart, it's amazing how far ground racing has come from some very, very dark days not that long ago. Like, literally four or five years ago, it was temporarily banned in New South Wales. There was that Four Corners report. There was the live waiting welfare issue. There was the uh, argy-bargy between the the participant groups and the, the industry itself. And all of these sorts of things, but then so rapidly, the prize money has gone to life-changing amounts. Like the Melbourne, the, the Delbridge is six hundred and fifty thousand, uh, um, and there and there's a few of them. There are enough of these really rich greyhound race, races for people to think, "Wow, if I invest in a greyhound, I can actually." be some chance of a life-changing uh, moment. And then the free-to-air coverage on dot com, uh, racing.com has been amazing to showcase the, the backstories and RSN as well with its uh, coverage. So uh, I, I think in probably, I don't think the trajectory could have been steeper in uh, only about four or five years. Yeah, I think um, yeah, there's been a lot of work done to uh, basically, if you like, relaunch the sport here for the public in this festival. Uh, I think it's got a uh, terrific apt name, Dream Chasers, and when you see the results on on Saturday night, when you look at uh, yeah the Sportsbet Melbourne Cup, one million dollars total prize money for the first time, and see the Archie Bale and Mark and Lisa Delbridge, their first ever runner in a Melbourne Cup, uh, winning the Melbourne Cup with a dog that's you know, only twenty six months of, of age and had been running over six hundred metres on the way to a Sale Cup, and then suddenly Melbourne Cup's an afterthought, and they take out the most prestigious race uh, on on the calendar, and uh, it, it, that's just amazing. And then when you see the bold trees as well on Saturday night with Dagger Out Lee winning, you know, like in unbelievable circumstances, last to first, um, probably at least 12 lengths from the leaders down the back and a young bloke, Jack Strutt uh, from Wagga, in his first year of training, a final year law student, 24 years old, and he wins the bold trace. Just phenomenal storylines. So uh, that's what it's been all about. That's what we were hoping to achieve. And the whole Dream Chasers Festival is really starting to build a great momentum as we head towards the Phoenix. And we're hoping at RSN that McInerney can um, take out the Phoenix for the, the studio here, the station here. But Stuart, sometimes with... Well, I've been going to feature races for 30 years and I've seen the changes in the way that you know the presentations are done on track and where it used to just be black tuxedos and sort of a little bit obscure now these huge celebrations but sometimes I think uh, to get a, a track new people there's a lot of gimmicks around the racing to try and get them to the track but I think what you showcased on Saturday night with the the showdown the match race there it brought people into the sport 
that may not be aware. It's just that pure racing, and that's what we need them to really resonate with, not the, you know, the face painting and all that, which is lovely and wonderful to bring the family. But I think to engage people, they need to resonate and find something to relate to with the racing and you couldn't have done that in a more perfect scenario on Saturday night with that match race in particular. Yeah, well that hour of power as we sort of called it on, on Saturday night when you had the bold trees into the showdown and then into the Melbourne Cup. And it was a bit different from for us to put the Melbourne Cup so late on the program as race ten. But I think it worked beautifully uh, in terms of showcasing the dogs and to hear the crowd just getting involved in each of one of those races, which were all unbelievable contests. Um, I think you're right. That's exactly what we're trying to do, Simone, is engage people with the racing, get them excited about the racing. Uh, we did have a gimmick in a, in a wheelie bin race. but Oh, that was that. funny. <laughs> Hats off to the sports bet guy. I, for someone that I, he obviously just is happy to um, have people you know get photos but in that suit that he was wearing it was not very flattering at all so hats <laughs> off to him for not taking himself so seriously because i'm yeah. sure there's not many that could do it but you um do you know what i'm saying though it's um oh, yeah. over the years and we've needed that because we've wanted to attract people but maybe now is the time to really focus on the racing element and get people to really appreciate and understand it and we've got so many fabulous stories to tell <clears throat> you know when you Think about the uh, the Jack Strutt story and the Mark and Lisa Bel- Belbridge story and all of those things. And then when we get to the Phoenix, $1.65 million race, the Phoenix, with all of the slots now announced on December 17, there's a lot of backstories in there as well. So that that's what I'm excited about is telling our stories better, getting our fans to understand who the greyhounds are, who the stars of the sport are, who the people are. And um, that's been a great opportunity. So... Um, still one more big opportunity, as you say, the Silver Chief Heats this week where we see Amron Boy and, and uh, Yachi Bale going into these uh, into this series as well and then come out the other end with the Phoenix on December 17. It's really exciting time. With all the big races, the scheduling of the races, Stuart, um, the programming of them, the time of the year, it's so important, but it, it clearly it's working. Um, but you've also got that those marquee names, and you mentioned that some of the greyhounds that are going around in the Silver Chief heats tonight. Um, people outside greyhound racing are familiar with those names now, um, but I don't think you can ever... Um, overlook the fact of how popular a greyhound like Welshie's Fast and what she must have done for greyhound racing in the course of her, well, relatively short career to date. Yeah, well, it helps to have a really clever name and, uh, you know, that, that's an amazing little name in itself, but she is a star uh, and the fact that she's she's never, she's not bomb-proof, so, you know, you've got a bit of heart and mouth at times, but ultimately, yeah, she's an absolute star and... Uh, I think that's attracting a lot of people that wouldn't have otherwise known much about her. Uh, and then you've got an up, up-and-coming star like Amron Boy. Uh, so, yeah, I think those names, our, our objective is to make them household names, and, mm. and I think we're starting to get there. I think greyhound racing is, no offence to harness racing, but it's swept past it for profile, um, uh, slice of the pie, the wagering pie and so on. So not at this time of year, Dan, but in general terms, prize money. For instance, there's no comparison at the top end at the moment. Stuart, so the, just back to the point I was making earlier about where it has been five years ago to where it is now with the, uh, the reach of greyhound racing and, and the KPIs of participation, eyeballs, investment, sponsorship, crowds and so on. How much of an uplift has there been how, in real terms and, and where is it heading in the next, say, five years or so? And, and I, I know it probably upsets harness people in a way, but greyhound racing has seized more of the pie than harness racing in the last decade or so. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, and and that's, there's a lot of uh, reasons for that. I think the, the main part is that particularly younger uh, punters tend to engage with the quick and fast entertainment of greyhound racing and that probably showed up through the racing.com coverage on Saturday night that it just keeps coming at you nice quick and fast. Uh, Our prize money this year will be around $71 million for this financial year Uh, and when we think about where we were probably only three or four years ago it was less than $50 million. So uh, that's an upward trajectory. All of our turnover metrics from the festivals so far have been 
records, um, records. Is sponsorship, like Melbourne up, Cup night. sponsorship and participation, all those real measures. Uh, yeah, about, look, yeah, yeah. sponsorship with the Sportsbet uh, deal has been an amazing uh, outcome for us. Their integration into the broadcast and the revenue that that generates for our clubs, who have all got on board with the new deal. And uh, for those who have seen the coverage, um, the, the tracks look amazing now with the the blue. Uh, around and the way that Sportsbet's uh, gotten right behind it is is excellent. Uh, our turnover is is um, still still growing, even though the last couple of years were certainly uh, off the charts sort of turnover. What we're seeing is record turnover on these four nights so far, which has been a- excellent. Uh, participation. I really would like to see more ownership indication growth, um, but we've got as many. Uh, trainers and owners as, as we've had for quite some time and our greyhound population is as strong as it's been for quite some time and so. the welfare uh, programs are going well as well so the, all the boxes are being ticked it is an extraordinary trajectory since the dark days of only four or five years ago uh, so Stuart well done and may it may the trajectory continue to go up Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. Stuart Lang there, the CEO of Greyhound Racing Victoria. Dan, something that there's obviously an easy answer to, why is Greyhound prize money on face value going through the roof and why is the harness rising prize money almost going backwards for the top level? Mm, There are a few other people probably better qualified to answer that than me because I could get a little too personal here and a little too passionate and it's not necessarily the appropriate time. Um, But there will be uh, the right time to do that Um, uh, because the passion with that in the harness racing industry keeps it afloat. They are passionate and they love their horses. Well, wagering is what sustains prize money mostly, and I don't. I think there needs to be an explanation yep. as to why one of the smaller codes is thriving and the other one with similar wagering is not thriving in a prize money sense. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. There's been a bit of a rebirth with the shaping up of race meetings. We've got Breeders' Crown. We've got Vic Bread on. The biggest crowd we get for the whole year is Vic Bread Night on on New Year's Eve. I hope they don't stuff around with that mm. because people are there. When you put a show on, you want to see the best. It uh, doesn't matter what it is. You can work out something that's really good and something that's not as good. Uh, and the Inner Dominion, I'm not sure it fits in perfectly at this time of the year. It's sort of been lost a little bit, but we've embraced it and uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be really good uh, tonight as well. And, of course, next week on Racing.com, the grand final uh, of the the Inter at uh, Melton. John Sadler's going to join us after the break. It's Pakenham Cup Day. Uh, back to the old Pakenham uh, track. 2012, it was won by Dance With Her. Playwright, another prelate, sweet-talking guy. Viking hero winding up out deep. Dance with her, went for home, though. Inside the 200, two or three lengths in front. Another prelate winds up into the second. Then Playwright, it's Dance with her. Another prelate out wide. Dance with her in front. Dance with her. Has won the cup about a neck on another prelate. This is RSN cracking the codes. That's what we're doing. It's 24 minutes to 11. It's standalone Pakenham Cup Day today. This is. Uh, why do you call it standalone? When it's Caulfield or Flemington, why isn't that standalone? Because when they race at Caulfield or Flemington, there's usually a provincial meeting on the same day that doesn't. There's no have provincial that. meeting today? Well, look, I know. And Dino's, Dino's, Dino's onto this as well. But no, I disagree. I, I can accept the term standalone. Interjector. I think Mr. people Interjector. get sick of standalone because every well, second like, week now like it's standalone. Up. It's a so, race meeting and it's a good so, one. So there's standalones at Pakenham, standalone at Cranbourne, standalone at Ballarat in recent weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkesbury, Kembla, yeah, 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 Newcastle. Yeah. So uh, it is the time in the sun for these tracks and it's, it's a home track now to John Sadler who's been a bit of a gypsy over the years. Coal Lake, Flemington, Caulfield, Dubai. He's been everywhere, but he now calls... He actually doesn't. His horses call Pakenham home, but John Sadler calls the Yarra Valley area home. So he's a bit of an eastern uh, eastern uh, suburbs gypsy, uh, and he uh, he joins us on the line to take talk us uh, talk to us about life at Pakenham as one of the new trainers down there. And he's obviously got some winners today as well. How are you, Sads? Good, Matty. Been called a lot of things, but I don't think a gypsy is one of them. <laughs> I'm sure it could have been a lot worse. So perhaps take it. Uh... Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and you've called people yeah. worse too. So I think I think we can agree that it's a nice term that I've used for you. Hey, you know what all that stuff's an absolute myth, Matty. You just um, um, I'm beautifully spoken to uh, to other people and um, yeah. take 
Yes. You are. No, you're, I know you well, and I think you're absolutely lovely. So that, I'm going to stand by my own judgment, John. So I'll get a room, you two. That's, no, no. That's because, oh, no. that's because he delivered a slab of red wine or beer or something to no. you. Linton, Linton ah, Stradbroke. Yes. Yeah, no, that was that was a very memorable occasion. Gee, I got some new mates out of that too, the free beer. Hey, Sads, uh, so disruptive getting booted out of somewhere as any tenant or owner knows uh, and then having to uproot, but especially if you're a horse trainer, there's so much to organise. And the guys uh, and girls who um, got shifted from Epsom in the 90s and then moved to Caulfield and, and then they settled in there and then some of them had to move again, like the Maloney's, uh, to their next home at Cranbourne. Maloney's, McDonald's. Yeah. 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 Just take us back to the time you were notified. The, 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 when it, there was like a four-year floating time frame, wasn't there, where you'd always get four or five years' notice at Caulfield. But the day it happened was obviously a shock, and then the clock started ticking. So it was a very disruptive time a year or so ago at Caulfield, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was, Matty. It was, um, see, the, the thing was we always were told that um, when the decision was going to be made and then and this has been going on for many, many years, that the decision to close Caulfield as a training establishment was going to happen. But uh, we were told that we would get five years' notice. And you sort of think, well, yeah, five years is a fair bit. But anyway, they sped that up, and it became, I think, it was three years. And um, those three years went very, very quickly, and um, yeah, I'm not. I don't think I wouldn't say it was a pleasant time. I, um, you know, twelve months down the track now, and we've all we've shifted to uh, to wherever we've gone to. Me being, um, you know, Packenham. A lot of the guys went to Ballarat, and quite a few of them to uh, Cranbourne. But I, I think I haven't heard um, many complaining and. Um, I think most people are actually enjoying enjoying their new abode. That's what I was going to ask you, John. Has it been a, a positive move retrospectively now for you? Have, is it something that you didn't anticipate would work this well, or is it not going as well as planned? It's it's it, it's a really good question because um, there's there's different areas where um, the the reason I I decided on Packenham was because of Peter Moody. And uh, he told me that um, you won't want for anything. And he said it's the best training grass uh, that he's ever used. And, and that was enough for me. Um, but then you've got the other, you, you know, you're wanting to sell horses, sell yearlings. Um, it's, you know, for businessmen in the city, it's not just a matter of uh, jumping in the car and and um, taking a 10-minute drive out to Caulfield. You know, it's it's hard. It's quite a way. And um, so I, I've, I've found that a, a bit of a nuisance, to say the least. But overall, um, it's really good to have come to, a, to come to a place now where this place is really looked upon by the club, I find anyway, as firstly um, a training amenity, and secondly, a race course. Um, and they just can't do enough to look after you here. I c- cannot complain one bit about the Packenham Racing Club. Um, they'll, they go above and beyond to, uh, to help the trainers. And um, my time here, as far as the Packenham Racing Club are concerned and, you know, the amenities... Um, it's fantastic. And there's more coming. I'll ask you about what they're doing up the back as well, which is very exciting. One thing that surprised me, Sads, with the when the Caulfield trainers were sort of dispersed is that there was such a big sell and a big take-up at Cranbourne and then some at Ballarat. I wondered why it wasn't a more even um, attraction to Pakenham and Cranbourne. And Cranbourne's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But so is Pakenham, and they're both out on the same side of town and... There were a lot of um, sort of housing estate type setups that hadn't yet been built with houses and stables. So were you are you a bit surprised that um, more weren't automatically attracted to Packenham and that there weren't no, more there, efforts there, made? There was, I, I think, there was a little bit of an anti-Packenham thing. Um, just um, I think the na na goon thing threw a lot of people in itself I, um, for no reason because as the, the the longer you stay here. 
uh, the more you start to enjoy enjoy the area and and um, and explore all the different different areas. And uh, Shan and I have just bought a, a place in Druin, and uh, the only thing I could remember about Druin years ago was it was where Lionel Rose was born. Um, and the ablets. Yeah, and the ablets, exactly. And uh, But it's a beautiful spot, Druin, and um, we're going to be really happy there. But, um, no, overall, pretty good, guys. Remember the early days when uh, you were at Colac and, and some of the offerings that were there? You remember racetracks that even we would have forgotten about that would have raced and the options that you would have had, JD, at the time out in the in the Western Districts. Um, they're still going strong, some of those meetings, but um, if anything, it's the Eastern side that has strengthened up. Uh, you had the night racing options, obviously with Packenham, but also with, with Cranburn um, and Moe racing a lot nowadays, and obviously yeah. it extends out to Sale and and to Bensdale, Stony Creek, um, it's there'd be very few occasions unless you had a, a horse that's qualified for a certain race for the need to go on the western side now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, whereas most of my life has been on the western side, Danny. But um, uh, yeah, there's plenty here, especially here at Pakenham. I, I just reckon this this is just a wonderful racetrack. Um, that thousand meter and especially the twelve hundred meter shoot, gee, no excuses. And it's just, um, I reckon, it's how every racetrack should be built. Is um, like Packenham. I, I can't fault it. I'm, I'm sure jockeys must love riding here. Great track to ride at, and um, you know, punters can can bet with uh, quite a bit of confidence because, as a rule, most of the time, if you get beat, you're not good enough. No, absolutely. There's no nowhere to hide for uh, those sort of excuses. Uh, they're building. There's a lot. There's enormous land there, and and I know you're building a. The club is building a, a large hilly track at the back. And you and I had a chat yesterday, and I said, "Is it? Is it? The wood fibre tracks still exist anymore?" And you said, "No, because they've transitioned. Because there's a bit of a greeny element to this. Because they thought that too many trees were being sacrificed to make wood fibre tracks." Ads. Yeah. Well, when I first moved to uh, Flemington, that was in 86, um, the wood fibre was all the go. And um, I think, as I discussed with you yesterday, Matty, the um, Morfordville had probably the best wood fibre track. In fact, I reckon it's probably still one of the best all-weather tracks I ever used, but they couldn't continue to get the tree and um, because... Um, of all the reasons you know, you know, um, we just can't go out and chop up a tree anymore. But uh, um, it, it, they were, it, it was, the Morfordville um, track was a beauty, the wood chip. Flemington was okay when it was at its best, um, but not as good as Morfordville. But the, yeah, they were the uh, first of the, uh, the all weather tracks that I can remember. Well, John, you've been a, a terrific horse trainer over a long period of time, but um, I reckon you could almost be a salesperson as well. You've sold Packenham very well to us this morning, but we hear you on RSN quite often talking about Ribera's. Do you want to give us a live read? A live line. <laughs> we love that line, the last John. line. You know the line. Uh, tomorrow's lunch is still swinging. <laughs> <laughs> well, we feel privileged, John, to have heard that live. Hey, uh, um... Are today's winners are going to be still running today. We've got a few runners in today. Uh, um, well, can I bullet point these and you can give us a yay, nay, or a maybe for your runners yep, today? Yep. Um, flash feeling in the first? Yay. A big yay or mini yay? Good yay. All right. Almost a yippee. Maybe it could be a nay. It could be a good nay. Uh, so it's a big yay for um, flash feeling. Um, Adele and Moore in race two? The, the same. Big yay. A big yay. Uh, what about the horse that's eclipsed Nature Strip twice but is still in a benchmark 78, Sam's image? Thanks, Thanks for bringing that up, Dan. I really appreciate yeah, it. It's um, funny because you've got Sam's image but you didn't then, but you had you had Nature Strip. Yeah, it's weird how it flipped around. Yeah, yeah that's um, it's all terrific stuff. It makes me look a great trainer. But, um, <laughs> is he a nay, Sam's image today, or is he a maybe? No, he's not. He, he he's a uh, we're hoping. We're hoping. So that's nearly <laughs> yeah. a nay. And then, old mate, bee hunter in the last. 
Well, he gets back on top of the ground, and that's been his problem. He's, he's had the prep from hell uh, this time, and just nothing's gone right. I, I, I reckon he, I reckon he ran a terrific race, B Hunter. I'm not saying he win, but he's well over the odds. For those who, well, the many shades of John Sadler, there are many shades of John Sadler, not 50 shades, Simone, as you were just thinking. I um, wasn't thinking that at all. The funniest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> he'd be, we would have been, if, you, if he hadn't got dragged into horse racing down in Colac back in the day, if, if acting had found John Sadler, if, the, if a method acting school had got John Mellion and all those, the, the story he told at the Rosanna Golf Club, the stories he told at the Rosanna Golf Club, I've never heard a raconteur, raconteur as well as John Sadler did that day. It was absolutely unreal. Hey, just before we let you go, uh, John, yes, reflecting Matt. on Nature Strip, like you had a, you had a role with him as so many other trainers yeah. did. When you, when yeah. you look back and look ahead, what do you, what do you make of the whole Nature Strip story? Um, no, the, Nature Strip was, Look, he was the best horse that that I'd ever thrown a saddle on. Um, it was just unfortunate the way things worked out. But look, most things work out for the best. He went to um, uh, he went to a great trainer who's done an outstanding job, and um, and it, he's just a wonderful horse. I know when the very brief time we had him, he's a beautiful horse and and beautiful to do anything with, and. Um, but I just think Chris Waller has done an outstanding job with that horse, and um, he's done Australia proud, of course. You know, he reminds me of Farlap, like physically. Like I know we did. Yeah, you know, when yeah, you I see, you saying that he's yeah. got that lovely um, high wither, uh, big gelding type sort of look. He honestly, if I'd love to see him standing next to, because do you agree, Sads? He's just got yeah, that yeah. same colour and that same look. Yeah, I can understand you. Saying that, Matty, yes. I wonder who the Sam's image was back in 1930 that might have eclipsed Farlap on one of those occasions. That's a job for you to pick up, uh, Matty Stewart. Uh, John, uh, as you go, we say goodbye and we thank you very much for your time. Good luck today. But who's the best horse you've trained? And I'm, I'm allowing you to give the best two if indeed it's tough for you. He just said nature yeah, strip. Okay. I, 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 oh. I, would say, I would say that um, uh, that Lady Jackie O. Yep. Was um, was one of the best Scandinavia, although she mm. never won a um, uh, never won a Group One, was placed on quite a few occasions, um, and of course, you know the, the mother of Magnus and the grandmother of Black Caviar. So um, she was she was a marvellous mare. I mean, horses like um, you know Jolly Old Mac and Ken mm. Vane, but we, we're going back a fair way. A lot of people would remember those horses. Well, the Fred group one winners. Was a, he was a terrific horse. Bohemoth. Jack Jack Pill was another one. Hey, yeah, Sads. Jack Pill was a beauty. He won his first six races. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Now. You were always... I never quite understood... And now that with the connection with Scandinavia and that, but I remember through Black Caviar's career, you said to me that you were more nervous for Black Caviar than you had been for any one of your own horses. There was something about the legend of Black Caviar that you didn't want tarnished and you know by defeat and you were yeah. you, you were nervous about black caviar weren't you i think it got with that way for a lot of people maddie that uh you just didn't want to see her go down yeah and um i just reckon the um the, and i know moods is good mate of mine but it was just a wonderful um training effort to to be able to keep her undefeated when she was so unsound that was the amazing thing that to, to just keep her on her feet and um, and and keep her unbeaten. Yeah, one of the great training efforts in my time. Well, we hope you stay afloat. We hope you keep swimming, uh, JD, and 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 good luck today. Thanks for coming on cracking the codes for us. Nice to talk to you guys, John Sadler. There, um, Craig Newitt and his partner Brianna Smith have welcomed little Arlo this morning at four forty. Craig's riding today at Packham. He's actually in the first, so congratulations to both uh, little Arlo and Superwoman Brianna Smith are doing well. Uh, we're going to take a break as we go into the break. Uh, we're going to come out on the other side with Brittany Graham, but the last mayor to win an Inter Dominion Grand Final and it was back in nineteen eighty nine. Mike Carrander count on the inside. JD's Babe hooking out three wide. Parvo's out four wide, but a long way from the leader now. Our maestro straightens with 150 to go. Leads by a length and a half. Billy's kid. JD's Babe down the outside. The whips are out. It's our maestro. JD's Babe on the outside. Getting keen. JD's Babe is running up on the outside. JD's Babe's beaten our maestro by a long head. Billy's kid might have got. 
loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki and Simone Fisher cracking the codes. At six minutes to 11 o'clock, third round of the Inter-Dominion heats uh, at Geelong tonight. Perfect weather conditions. In fact, one would be forgiven for thinking it's sunny Queensland weather conditions, which would suit our next guest, Brittany Graham, who is the face of Sky Racing and Harness Racing, and she gets the opportunity to combine her work and her passion tonight. She'll be working pretty hard throughout the course of the night on Sky Racing and Trot's Vision, but also driving a horse that she's trying to get into the Inter-Dominion Trotting Grand Final uh, next week in Majestic. Harry and Brittany Graham joins us. Thanks for joining us, Brittany. It's an exciting day for you. Good morning, Tech. Thank you very much for having me on. And, yes, um, exciting is one way to describe it. I'm a little bit nervous as well, but... Um I guess if you don't get nervous, uh, you're probably in the wrong game. No, that's true. More be butterflies, I imagine. Maybe from barrier number seven, there's not much you can do. But as I said, the weather, you're going to feel like you, there's a little bit of you at home tonight anyway. I know. It's probably uh, the first time I've been able to take the jacket off since I've been down here in the last fortnight. So uh, I'm feeling very comfortable and so is Harry with this weather. So, uh, no, that's a big tick. Well, Brittany, getting to important matters, your beautiful dresses that you wear, and um, I'm thinking it's probably because you're up in the sunny weather and you haven't done a lot of work down in Victoria for years on end. I I don't recall many times the 16 years I worked on Sky that I was in a summer dress. It was always the overcoats. But I um, I, look, me and I'm sure many other females just admire your impeccable dress sense and how do you keep so clean when you're out in the stable area you're on the track you will have probably hat hair for 20 minutes tonight as well um how do you do it <laughs> um yeah great question i'm not sure actually last <laughs> saturday night at uh, ballarat when i got a mud mask at about race four i was a little bit concerned about uh the rest of the evening having to get back to work and my sister actually said to me you've got this horrible grey shade about your face and I said yep well that'd be half of the the track surface that's still on there so um, <laughs> no it's uh it's uh yes very it was challenging that night for sure and certain but uh we're very lucky to have great track curators here in uh, Victoria and they've looked after me not too badly but uh no I love getting dressed up and uh, sometimes it's a little bit tricky particularly when I'm doing you know a meeting every weekend to try and find a different dress but uh it's not so bad having to go shopping once a week. Oh, no, you do it very, very well indeed. And perhaps that was a, a mud mask. They, someone might have thought, or the horses thought that you <laughs> need, <laughs> needed that. But I think also your authenticity, Brittany, that you can relate so well to the trainers. You understand it. You drive. And Dan was saying that you, you know, you're not too shy to take a really tight spot in your races. Um, we obviously don't see you driving down here a lot in Victoria, but, um, he's some know, of the gaps you were trying to get into both at Shepparton and, uh, and, and also at Ballarat last Last week, uh, she's not timid. There's no doubt about that. I think she's earned her respect. Uh, Britt, driven 298 winners, so closing in on the 300. But uh, I sense, I sense, and I reckon your family might back me up here. There's a bit of white line fever about you. Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a terrible loser. That's one thing for sure and certain. Uh, I'm in the wrong game for for the for, the, for my attitude towards losing because you lose a lot more than you win. But uh, no, I'm a very very competitive person. So. Um, yeah, there's uh, two sides to me. The the nice Brittany when I'm out there uh, trying to do my work for the sky and the media where I have to be everybody's friend and then uh, I can change into a little bit of an alter ego when I get out on track. But, uh, no, I'm so lucky to be doing both through this carnival. So it's uh, it's been a pretty cool experience. Uh, an amazing experience coming down with Majestic Harry and I saw him the other night at Shepherd and he walked past the, the ponies there where we were with the pony trots and he, he just looked beautiful but what a trip coming down from Queensland um, you know that would have been epic in itself and brought the family down and Harry looks like he's settled very well I saw a little video of you doing some track work this morning and he looked very relaxed so you must be feeling good going into tonight's final even though he might not have the barrier that you were hoping for yeah that's probably something that I've forgotten over the last two weeks, just how big of a trip he had to get down here. He's, um, you know, a lot of the others, that the Perth horse and the horse from New Zealand, they both flew, whereas he came by road. So he sort of had a probably the biggest trip of anybody. And, um, you know, for him to then have to go into an Inter-Dominion series, he's just uh, exceeded my expectations. He's just done such a good job and it's a big experience for him. He's sort of, I've had him for 18 months or so and he's been very much a homebody since then so as much as we sort of 
came down here wanting to enjoy being a part of an inter-dominion. We also thought it would be uh, great for his career. He's a five-year-old, about to turn six, so uh, for him to you know step out of his comfort zone a little bit, make him grow up a bit as well, because he is a, a big kid at times. And uh, But no, he's, he's done a remarkable job, and it, it hasn't been all smooth sailing. It never is when you come away from home in a different environment and uh, very different weather conditions than what he's used to, different surroundings and the like. Um, but, yeah, it's been a, a very much a learning experience for myself, the horse and Steph, and uh, we've really enjoyed it. And you mentioned, Steph, your sister. In fact, the whole family obviously involved here, but that makes it pretty special within itself, being an Inter-Dominion and you're away from home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know how I would have done it uh, without her coming down, considering sort of the workload with um, my real job and this as well. But, uh, no, it's been great. Um, I don't really let him out of my sight very much because he is my pet, but uh, I allow Steph to, to help me out with him and um, yeah, she's been doing a great job and I own him um, with my mum as well. So, yeah, it's just been great. Mum and Dad were down uh, last Saturday night, which was awesome. Um, we, we were carrying on like we'd won when he ran third in a heat, so it was great to have them both there and then uh, they've had to go home. But um, they told me when they left that if I, if I managed to make the final, they'll be here next week with bells on. So now it's up to Harry and I. Okay, so where do we have to run tonight to get into the final? Obviously, if you run one, two, three, you're probably a really good chance to do so. Could you sneak in if you got fourth? Yeah, it's, it's just such a moving beast, as you'd know, Dan. The one positive is that we're sort of in the last heat, so we're going to have a, a good idea of where we need to be to get into the final. As you mentioned, if we could run top three, that would, um, I'm pretty certain, solidify our spot. We're equal 12th at the moment um, alongside two other horses, and then there's horses on with one or two points either side of us. So it's going to be tight, um, but I'd have to go out there tonight and, and drive in like I'm you know, trying to win the race because that's the one way to ensure your spot um, and not worry about anybody else, I guess, and just make sure that we get as many points as we can because, um, yeah, if we could qualify for this final, it would be really, really special. Yeah, indeed it will. Well, we're going to be cheering you on. I'll make a deal with you. If you're in front on the winning post, I will call you first. <laughs> Brilliant. That would be... A career highlight. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, as and I'm accurate, sure you and are. an accurate call. Well, let's hope I don't get the photo wrong. Jeez. We're <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, sky racing tonight and Trot's Vision will be a pretty special night with uh, good weather conditions. Look forward to seeing you there, Brett. Thanks, everybody. Brittany Graham there, who drives Majestic Harry, race five at 7.37 at Geelong tonight. We've whipped through at cracking the codes. Uh, Simone, hope you enjoy your weekend. Yes, I'm sure I will. <laughs> and Matt, we'll be back uh, shortly uh, in the lead-up to a big race day on this standalone Packenham Cup meeting. <laughs> oh, Speaking of Packenham Cup, what about the winner of the race last year? As we say goodbye, didn't this horse go on to some great things? Think Wedgie battles on Mankind, future score and team captain down the outside, but Smoke and Romans, 200 metres to go, is two leagues in front of Good Idea Mankind, team captain, Smoke and Romans with 50 metres to go, clear out for Jamie Carty back in grand style. Smoke and Romans won the Packenham Cup from Good Idea, team captain third.